You say, can you prove that? It's proven every day around the world where people are dying for Christ and they don't even have a complete New Testament. I attack popery and assail men who have afflicted the Christian world and ruined the bodies and souls of other men. If I were to retract those, I should be like a cloak that covers evil. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. He promised to send a Redeemer. He promised to provide life. He promised to provide atonement and covering for our sins. Indeed, this He has accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord. And with that being said, everyone, welcome to Unashamed Radio, where we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. My name is Chad Fontes, and today I pray that this podcast would bless you, that God would use it to edify you, but most of all, that it would bring glory to Christ our Lord. Once again, welcome to Unashamed Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Unashamed Radio. Today's special guest is my, I I don't know, I've been calling him my pseudo-dad recently. His name is Bob Long, otherwise known as Robert Arthur Long, who is a Christian male, because there's only male and female, who I happen to abide with in his home, <laughs> and I've been living there for a while. Um, Bob, tell the listeners, hi. Good morning. <laughs> Bob, what's today? The Sabbath. And what is special about the Sabbath? That he is risen. He is risen indeed. Who? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thanks for acknowledging that. (laughs) Amen. So today is the Sabbath. We are recording bright and early in the morning. God is good, and I am thankful to Bob um, for a lot of things, but right now I'm most thankful that he woke up early before we go to Sunday school. And Bob, what what are we studying in Sunday school? Uh, R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul. What about him? What book did he write that's so amazing that we love? It's about (laughs) Reef. What? what is reform theology? That's true. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a rhetorical question, so I apologize. <laughs> All right, so we're studying what is reform theology in Sunday school every Sunday. Uh, Emmaus people, be there or be square. All right, Bob, let's get into it. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show, even though nobody can see us, but... Excuse that, but Mr. Long has decided to have his back towards me for the entire episode because it's more comfortable for him. Is that true, Bob? Uh, Not due to the fact that I don't want to look at you. It's just the arrangement (laughs) in this small studio within this beautiful house, I might add, that uh, has caused me serious discomfort, and I'm trying to make the best of it. Well, we apologize for any inconvenience. Uh, We are broadcasting live. Well, not live, but we are broadcasting from the Bob and Dina Long studios, courtesy of Bob and Dina Long. All right, Bob. So the Gold Podcast is for the listeners to get to know you, get to know your testimony, and see how God has brought you through the last however many years, right? So just to start off... uh, before we get into your past and all that kind of stuff, uh, tell the listeners and tell me just, you know, if somebody doesn't know you and we want to know about you, what's the nutshell? What do you do? What are you about? I am a married man 
to a beautiful, loving wife. Uh, I have two children. I uh, have been saved for twenty six years. Awesome. By our Lord. I work. I play pretty much any sport, any game uh, under the sun except tennis. And uh, my pastime, uh, my current pastime is softball and golf uh, that I enjoy mostly. Sweet. So you uh, you like to do things, physical things. Yes. Uh, just because uh, that's my workout routine. Uh, I don't. I don't set aside anything. I'm more spontaneous, uh, and I think that overflows into my life, which isn't <laughs> always good. But <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you. <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Uh, even your work is is outdoors, pretty much all the time, right? Yes, outdoors, hard work, and uh, so work hard, play hard. And what do you do for work? In case people don't know, uh, I build water tanks uh, for cities and municipalities. So we're talking like. Large water tanks. Uh, half a million to 12 million gallon. 12 million gallons. Hey, uh, I heard that you recently uh, won an award. Well, actually, I think I'm the one who told you. <laughs> yes, that was a beautiful intro. Uh, apparently, yes, I did win an award. Uh, that. Thank you for uh, reminding me or <laughs> telling me about so it. So, Bob, <laughs> Bob recently... Uh, for our for our company, yes, we kind of work for the same company. Uh, one tank of the year, so he built the best water tank. And what, what's the area? Is that the whole country or? Uh, yes, it's a national award. So there you have it. We have a very famous man on the show today. <laughs> worthy of respect and worthy of honor, either way. All right, sweet. So Bob. That is what what's kind of going on now. That's the the not the nitty gritty, but the the surface level, right? So, where where'd you come from? What was life growing up? Where'd you grow up? Uh, tell us everything, anything you can think of. Okay, so I was born in Pennsylvania, uh, a little small hick town, and. Uh, Population, 1,500 people. Nice. Loved it. Uh, and then until I was 18 years old, uh, I grew up uh, not knowing the Lord, not walking with the Lord, uh, not coming from a, a traditional Christian family that we would, as Reformed people, consider Christian families. Right. So uh, at 18 years old, I decided... There's more to life than one horse town. Uh, God had put it in me to move about the country. So <laughs> I traveled the country, Indiana, Nebraska, pretty much anywhere I could go. The catalyst for that was a, a buddy of mine who now lives in Tennessee that uh, said, hey, let's go here, let's go there. And then finally... Uh, we tried that, Indiana, Iowa, and Nebraska, and then we came back to Pennsylvania. That's where I met my wife and uh, for the first time. And then I decided, I was on vacation from Indiana, 
uh, basically, to come mm-hmm. home for Christmas. So I go home, and uh, so I went back to Indiana, stayed in touch with my wife, and then realized there's nothing really in Indiana that's more important or that I had uh, any ties to. So went back home, uh, got serious with my wife, got engaged, and then uh, decided to move to California and came to California in 1988. 1988. That's seven years before I was born. Yes. That's, that's crazy. Um, so just to backtrack a little, you... You never met your you never met Dina your wife before you went back to Pennsylvania. That's correct. There's a bunch of little towns in Pennsylvania, so she grew up about um, fifteen miles from me. So you guys are cut from the same cloth. Cut from the same cloth, correct? Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So you you mentioned that you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Was it in any way? Was it godless, or was it in any way? Did did your family believe in God or something? You know, were they nominally Christian, or what was that like? Uh, I I think we fell into the eighty eightieth percentile in calling ourselves Christian, although we didn't acknowledge God. Uh, there was no spoken word of God. Hmm. There was no Bible, but uh, we were. We, I felt like we were the holdovers from the 30s and 40s and 50s in that uh, there was morals and values that were, now that I look back and I could see that my my parents were moral people and they taught us uh, biblical truths uh, while not really saying it's from God. So right. The Ten Commandments were uh, seemed to be the, the strong values. That they were kind of like assumed, right? Yes. Like everybody just knew... This is what is good. Right. And I, I think that came from, yeah, it felt like generational. Uh, my grandparents were the same way, very uh, honest and sincere and hardworking and all the values that uh, we thought of as American. Right. So do you, just a side note, do you think the country's still like that? Uh, I think there's a percentage uh, of people, yes. Uh, that have that would call them they they call themselves Christian. So right. like seventy four percent of the country claims to be Christian, <laughs> yeah. and I think uh, I would take a stab at maybe ten or fifteen percent probably attend church regularly hmm. and uh, probably have worship in their homes. And th- so yeah, it's the same. Yeah, um, I was thinking about. Um, yeah, people who call themselves Christians. I forgot what I was going to say, but we can edit that out at the end. Thank you. <laughs> so we got to where you were engaged to your wife. And at that point, neither of you are Christians, right? Correct. So how did you go from... Okay, so in what year? You said 26 years ago. So what year was that when you got saved? I'm- like 94? Actually, it was 91, so okay. I'm not the math teacher. My wife However, is. Yeah, 28, whatever. Okay, 28 years. So between 88 and 91, wh- well, what, what, what from 98 to when you got saved, what led up to it? What happened? Uh, life. Uh, I moved to California uh, 
just wild and fancy free. Yeah. Uh, coming from a small town into the big city, uh, we actually moved to Merino Valley. Mobile. It, it was like uh, <laughs> it was like the Pittsburgh, Philadelphia of Pennsylvania. So uh, I didn't. I was a kid in a candy store. Um, so while I had deep roots and, and strong morals, uh, uh, I was, I was definitely going, uh, living life, uh, godless and fancy free. Uh, so when my wife came out, she got a job at Reno Valley high school and, mm-hmm. uh, she's a school teacher. Um, so she, she was invited to church in Hemet by a coworker, and so we attended uh, about ninety. Uh, it was probably a year after moving out to uh, California, and uh, she attended. And then she kept asking me, "Hey, let's go, let's go!" But yeah, I had uh, I, I had attended uh, church before and renounced a faith. Mm-hmm. Also known as the Mormons. So, so you hold on, hold on. <laughs> For those who don't know, were you were you a Mormon? I I think I still am, to be honest with you. <laughs> what, is, I, what do you I, mean? I, Wait, hold on, you got you got to explain this a little bit. Uh, yes, I, while in Nebraska, I was baptized Mormon. Okay, so I was there a year and a half. Taken in by a lovely family. They're very good at evangelism, I guess is what you would call it. Mormon evangelism. Yes, Mormon evangelism. Yes, it needs to be uh, studied and reproduced in Hmm. Christian faith. But So I'm alone. I'm not scared, but uh, yeah, I was alone in in Nebraska only with my buddy. Met up with another guy. His family took me in. He had the uh, traditional... They said, hey, we want some friends over. It happened to be missionaries. And uh, I was baptized. It, it all happened uh, a whirlwind, right? So and within a couple weeks. And uh, so, yeah, I became baptized uh, Mormon. And then I attended. The irony of all this is that I attended church. Uh, I believe it was actually the second time. Uh so the first time I went to church to one of their churches, and then I was baptized soon after. Yeah. And then the second time I went, I, I as I walked in, I noticed the they have a Bible and the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. uh, in this big case, and I realized that I'm like they got extra books. You're like something's wrong here. I'm like I don't know hardly anything about the Bible, but I know what I do know about it. And what I've heard from my family is that uh, this is the word of God, and uh, this is all you need. So right then and there, I never went back. From Praise that moment God. on, I I just looked and I said that it's it's not right. I, I don't know what I'm in. So is it fair to say that we can see God preserving you for Himself all the way back to then? Absolutely. Uh, and I believe that to be true for every Christian and every Christian has their, uh, their story and their walk, I think. Uh, and we have to give all the glory to God, right? Right. Preservation and, uh, bringing us and wooing us. And, uh, yes. So my story is no different, just has a few different 
turns and curves in it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no one can come. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, right? Yes. And we know, yeah, so the Father's drawing you <laughs> all the way back before I was even born. <laughs> so, uh, when you got saved, what kind of church were you going to? So, people might have already listened to the Dina Long episode, but this will be Bob's perspective on a similar on the same situation. Well, I suggest that you listen to her episode. So, uh, as to not cause family strife. Oh my goodness. What kind of church was it? Just tell us that at least. Uh, normal. Normal. So is that a good or bad thing? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Was it reformed? Uh, No, it was not a reformed church. Was it biblical? Yes, it was biblical. Good, cool. So they taught the Bible, but you, Dina kind of explained it as they were Baptists in the, how they viewed baptism. So they baptized Christians, uh, non-denominational, and but they did teach the Bible. So you agree with that? <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes, I agree with that. So how did you then... Now you go, so you went, you got saved, went to that church. Um, did you learn as a Christian there? Were you discipled? What was that like? No. Uh, <laughs> That's it. Just, no. <laughs> just no. Uh, either you are or you aren't. Uh, right, right. So, no, that was the, the catastrophic failure. And I take full responsibility for that uh, as a man. Um, so, but... When you don't know what you don't know, it's yeah. it's kind of hard to 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 learn from that. But uh, no, there there was uh, some simple things, uh, simple things such as if you're going to be a member, they take you through some elementary classes, and they had um, Bible studies. Uh, yeah. So we went through uh, the Romans Road. Um, uh, I think we started in. I think we went through, yeah, we went through the whole book of Romans, um, but without any backdrop, some things, you know, they just don't click. But, uh, I think the, the biggest thing I regret, uh, in that early time was the lack of encouragement or leadership or discipleship in how to teach a family or a man how to lead his family. Hmm. Um, that was my biggest, my biggest regret, uh, that, I. I would say about that church, I'd say that would be the biggest fault. I mean, most churches, I mean, I'm guessing what you're talking about is how basically the only thing parents are responsible for to their kids is making sure they show up to youth group on Wednesday night. Correct. That's what I'm alluding to. Yeah. Or Sunday school on Sunday morning. Well, actually that Sunday school would even be at, instead of being in church with you, right? Is that how they did it there? Right. It was separate. Everything was separated. Youth group to Sunday school, uh, parents and children never worshiped together. So I just thought about this. It, it seems like, because most American churches are that way that I've been to, right? They they have kids go to ki- kids' church, right? And they usually have like grade levels. So separate them by grade or have the teens go do this or whatever. And what it's similar to is how the public schools want to raise your kids, right? That's basically how that is today. But now that kind of seeped into the church and now the church is wanting to do the same thing. 
Now, maybe, I don't know how what the history is behind this, but maybe the church did it first. <laughs> and then the school's like, well, hey, if it's going on in the church, we might as well do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do see, uh, I do see that as a, a similarity. Um, and, and I think that's what differentiates uh, reformers uh, in today's world with uh, they're primarily homeschoolers, hmm. right? And they really emphasize the parents' responsibility for teaching their children not only the things of the Bible, but things of the world. Right. Well, yeah, uh, it's, it's, all, it's all together, right? Correct. But the emphasis is there when uh, you stress homeschooling so that you're not used to shipping off your children uh, and, and leaving it up to someone else. So... Yeah, interesting correlation there. Maybe I'll have to uh, have Dina back on to talk about that someday or one of the homeschoolers from from church. Sweet. So then you slowly became Reformed or did you just become Reformed? Well, let me let me take a step back. Calvinism usually comes before Reformed, right? Because yes. they're not the same. Like, And I think for the listeners and whoever, whoever really, yeah, the listeners, Reformed does not equal Calvinism. Correct. Like, they're not the same. Calvinism is like the first step into Reformed theology. Yes. Just just keep that noted. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good point to make that that you start there. Um, the the cool thing about uh, being becoming Reformed, or even being introduced to Calvinism, was uh, either you are or you aren't. Um, so. There were a group of people, I come, the reason this even came about was because of a church split. Hmm. Uh, So the church split happened over Calvinism and the doctrines contained within within the church that I had attended for 15 years, I guess. Right. So when it happened, uh, you know, all the congregants were discussing amongst themselves uh, the differences. And me and, for my wife and I, we were uh, we were sitting there going, I, I thought that's the way it really was. Even it was an unspoken thing that God saved us, right? So before you even knew the word Calvinism, yes. you're like, you're like, well, this seems like it just, it's biblical. It, it was our understanding of who God was and how he acted in the world. So we understood. Right. Uh, even though it wasn't taught there, it God had placed it, I guess, upon us, right? That that, and I find that to be true for everyone. Uh, there was a few people maybe that struggled, but let's say half the church had this view of, yeah, God saved me, and the other half said, no, I I did something, I did something <laughs> good in my life to to make him pick me. Well, so. would they actually say that though, like audibly? Um, or more by actually, like it's yes. implied. Oh, well, really? Well, I've I've I talked to a few people, and they actually did have that uh, that perspective, in that they had something to do with it. That just by them saying, "I accept you, Lord," right. that they felt at least that was something they did. They didn't under they they never would admit that God had wooed them, had changed their heart, right. From, one of stone to flesh. So so quick quick yes or no question. Just yes or no. Yes. No, no elaboration. 
Should Christians use the phrase, accept Jesus into your heart? No. Amen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, so you became, you, you didn't become a Calvinist, but you, once you learned what Calvinism was, you were, you basically said, yeah, that's, that's what I believe. Absolutely. Okay. So how then did the journey into being fully reformed what it occur? What did that look like? Uh, that was by the leading of the pastor, but I think it's a natural progression. I, I, I don't think that it's, uh, that's an anomaly or that it's, I think if you are a Calvinist, I think you have to almost make it to reform theology. It's, it's like the digger, the further you dig and the more you study, I think it's just a natural progression as Calvinism is the first step. I think reform becomes then the next step. So what, what in your view or opinion, what maybe I, I kind of want to ask, what does a reformed church look like? Um, so yeah, answer that. What, what do you, what does a reformed church look like? Um, well, they, the biggest, I, I think the biggest thing that sets aside, uh, reformed churches, uh, is first of all, their ecclesiology. So you will see that there is a order, uh, mm -hmm. order to their, their worship, uh, to everything that they do. Uh, is it? mandated by God to, to be contained within the worship because God tells us how he is to be worshipped. So a Reformed church has a liturgy. A liturgy. An, an order of worship. And it's pretty similar uh, even nationwide. I've attended other churches, and I know you have too, yeah. to, to see that there is a similarity in that. And we hold to certain uh, foundational things that were formed way back in the 16th century so yeah it's kind of crazy how how much unity there is there well within actually reformed circles right yes. like when i go to any other reformed church i'm like always refreshed i'm like oh man this is this is like being at home you know yeah there's a comfort there's a comfort it's kind of like the mcdonald's of America. <laughs> they're every, the they're always the same. Or like Walmart. <laughs> yes. You can go and you know what you're going to get. And you, you know, know where what, everything is. <laughs> and you know, right, what the price is going to be. Uh, yeah. That, that you, there's comfort in that. And uh, so, yeah, praise God. I've actually seen recently on in the Reformed Twitter world, I know you're not on Twitter, but Presbyterians apparently think, because we're Reformed Baptists, but some Presbyterians think that we just hate the liturgy and that they think that 1689ers are what we call just your your Calvinist Baptists. Like they keep confusing the two and it's kind of annoying because we're not just Calvinist Baptists. Well, we're not, but they keep lumping us in with them. Anyways, uh, that was a stupid side note, but I have a question. So here is the quick definition of, of reform that I put on Twitter the other day. Tell me if you agree. So I said, Calvinist does not equal Reformed. Reformed equals confessional, Calvinist, covenant theology, five solas, and the regulative principle of worship. Absolutely. I think that's uh, pretty much spot on. Conf I think confessional kind of, if you just start with confessional, 
all those other things follow. Yes. Right? And and by confessional, we mean, you know, one of the reformed confessions. 689, the Westminster, um, and there are the three forms of unity. And I think there's one other one that's a, a reformed confession. I can't remember what it's called. But, but anyways, yeah, listeners, that's what we mean by the difference between reformed and Calvinist. So the church that we both are members of, Bob, did it start off? fully reformed or was it was it a progression into reform theology and practice no there has to be great teaching and great leading yeah. uh, to to get you there it's a long it's a long road so it, it was a period of years so we started mm-hmm. with the basics when the word calvinism it took a year to even soak in what that implied yeah where that came from what it meant so there was no jamming or cramming of this information or this is what you must believe. It was a, uh, a long, methodical uh, teaching process that, and everyone just got it. We all understood it. Right. And we all agreed. Well, it's kind of, it, it, otherwise, I feel like it'd be kind of a culture shock, right? Yes. Going from, you know, I, for whatever reason, my favorite phrase recently has been Joe Schmo, but like Joe Schmo Evangelical Church to solidly reformed in doctrine and practice. Like they're very different. Yes. Like very different. <laughs> and they're, uh, they're, they're about as different as religions are different um, hmm. in, in that Mormon and, and evangelical is. I, I've feel that there's almost that much difference in just being an evangelical to being reformed in your understanding and your reverence for God. It, right. it really starts with reverence of God, right? The five solas, but uh, above all, God is sovereign. And um, the, I, I think that's the the thing. If you start and only focus on that, I, I think you can get to reformed very easily and quickly. Right. Cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So now that you're reformed, so basically that that becoming reformed, one of the questions I've asked in the past to to people I've interviewed is, have you experienced any major shifts in your theology? So basically it was, aside from Calvinism, all the other parts of reformed theology, right? For you? Yes. Um, not major shift. I Everything... So it's, you were never like a, a charismatic, is what you're saying? Correct. Uh, yeah. I was Mormon at one time for a day or a week, but uh, well, actually, you're still in the you're still a priest, right? Yes, I am in the Melchizedek uh, priesthood, and uh, so I. So I, can I pay a tithe to you, like Abraham did? I, I think that would be appropriate. At least we for call rent. that we call that rent. Yes. Rent. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a. I, 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 yeah. Melchizedek. Anyways, <laughs> sweet. So, Bob, next question. Uh, we're moving through this pretty fast, which is good. What's your favorite Bible verse? Uh, or passage? The, the passage would be, uh, I think John chapter six, 35 to 40. Hmm. When, uh, Jesus is, uh, feeding the 5,000. So he is talking, right, with all the people that are after him, and he claims this is when he talks about being the bread of life. And, right. And it also has, 
it has the nut, the chapter, uh, verse 40 is probably the most famous, but uh, just the leading up to it. Uh, and I think that is a great summation of uh, the sovereignty of God. And uh, it gets you where you, it's my route for my faith uh, being reformed. Yeah. Because all the people were following him, and but they wanted a miracle, right? Yes. And then he basically tells them, you're not only the only ones of you who are going to follow me are the ones the father has ordained. Yes. Right? That it's given. Yes. Correct. That That's when he claims to be, uh, that he claims, he claims, he makes the claim, uh, that he is God and that, that you can't come on your own. Right. So, and, and that's the biggest. I and then many like, of them stopped following him. Correct. <laughs> They're like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> that, that were supposed to be uh, even disciples uh, of sorts. Right. That, and then he came with this loud. Uh, kind of rebuked them. Yeah. It, definitely a lot of rebuking, but the claims that he makes about who he is and how you come to know, uh, how you come to salvation is pretty clear in that same passage. So Sweet. Thanks for sharing that. It's awesome. All right. So our show is called unashamed radio uh that's derived from you know romans 116 uh we talk about it in the intro i mentioned it in the intro for you i mean i can i can think of some examples just from being a part of your life uh, but but what would you like to share in this regard what does it mean to be unashamed of the gospel and what does that look like wow uh that's a tough question <laughs> um you know, for me, it's about being present and ready every day and the opportunities that God uh, gives every man, woman, and child to, to share their, their testimony or share a, a word of encouragement. But sharing the true gospel with someone is a rare opportunity that naturally occurs. And to be prepared for that moment, um, so... I'm one that believes that that you have to use words. Uh, <laughs> right. Oftentimes, the uh, it starts with actions, though. I, I believe that that you you can glean from if you're not a street preacher, then it takes action and diving into people's lives in order for them to be open to to really hearing it. But well, and if if they just see you and you're not really obeying Christ. Yes. Then when you do try to share the gospel, if you do, they're going to just be like, I want to listen to you. You don't even practice what you preach. Right. That's why um, maybe only pastors should be sharing the gospel. No. I'm <laughs> um, only those who are qualified to be elders should right. preach the gospel. Only appar- Apparently okay. only the Pharisees and the Sadducees should be <laughs> ones claiming the gospel. Well, you know, Bob, they, they, they were correct about some things. <laughs> So you, you, right, it's very difficult. Here's what I found to be true, that the sooner you can share the gospel with someone that you meet, that you feel like that God is calling you into their lives, that, that, that you know, that the sooner you can share the gospel, the easier it is for you for, to have real conversations about your sinner 
right? I'm saved by grace, right? Not not of works, of so that they can understand that I fall short. And having a just a candid conversation about, hey, I I am not perfect, as you well know, right? Right. But it's not about me. It's about uh, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for you, and uh, you can have this relationship. So. Having those conversations are important, and the longer you go in a friendship, uh, I think there are you you could go down the wrong road with too many mistakes and uh, give them an excuse. I you know uh, more of a rebuttal, but yeah. truth is truth as well. So there's never a wrong time. So you could have been tw- uh, for twenty years. So there's no right or wrong uh, because God does the work. That is what we believe. That's what we know to be true. Right. So uh, you can't you can't prevent someone from coming to Christ, right? Yeah. I think that's a misnomer sometimes. Uh, it's only fear that keeps us from sharing, but you can't prevent someone from coming to Christ. So there's nothing you can do, can't do, that's if— Can God? Abs- absolutely. <laughs> That's He's see the, the sad thing is that to some people that's controversial. Yes. That God decides who he's going to save. Yeah, that is that is controversial. They, they well we, we see the fallout of that in our culture. Uh in mm-hmm. the in the self culture that we live in, right? It's all about me and I determine everything in my life and Yeah. That's why you have freaking uh oh you don't like when I use that word, but we have Joel Osteen, right? Live your best life now. Yes. Such a false. It's a false hope. It's a false doctrine. Well, I like what John, John MacArthur said. Hey, if this is your best life now, then you are probably going to hell. <laughs> That's so that, crazy. that is true. Because <laughs> if this is your best life, you ain't going to heaven because heaven can be way better. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Thank that. Yeah. Unashamed. So. Uh, from what I know, you are pretty good at um, encouraging and witnessing to your, would you call them subordinates or coworkers? Because you're a foreman. So how do, how do you think of them? People who work for you on the jobs. Uh, coworkers. Okay. But, so yeah, so let's call them coworkers. You preach to them? Yes. Uh Donald, yes, in words, in in uh, and indeed, I think I've seen that as well. Yes, and indeed, and every everyone that comes on my job site. So, uh, oh I, yeah, I was blessed by an inspector that I'm currently with. Um, so, my little my little uh, cheap way of of getting a reaction or to start conversation is I have a sticker that says "Real Men Love Jesus" in my window. So the first day. People walk up, and I always make it a point to walk by the rear of my truck <laughs> and say, "Hey, how do you like my, you know, the something like lead them to see at least." I, I watch their eyes, see the sticker, and and I can gauge where they're at and how to address them. Yeah. So um, he asked me if it was my sticker, and I'm like, "Absolutely." And so uh, we've had uh, lengthy conversations. Um, he's definitely not reformed and he's definitely not calvinist so So, are you you telling me and by default everyone listening that a simple sticker on your car can be a conversation starter 
That's what I use it for. Absolutely. That's when all my conversations start. Uh, even everyone in my company, there's, I don't know, 300 and some odd people. Uh, they all know, uh, I'm a most vocal Christian, I think, uh, well, until you got there. Yeah, but right. I'm not, I haven't been honestly. <laughs> oh, I think well, I've been way more ashamed of the gospel at, at that job than at other the previous jobs that I've had. And with, even though the owner is a calls himself a Christian and puts like Bible verses in all his emails, that should give me more incentive, right? Yes, you have the freedom. You you are and you're definitely protected in this company. Like we're not working in the public school system. And I think that's what happened. I worked for the public school system for a year, and I got into this mindset of. Oh crap! I don't want to. I can't preach the gospel, or I'll get fired. And then now I work for a company that 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 wouldn't happen. I can't see that happening. Yeah, th- that's where I'm unashamed in the fact that there is no job, there is no place, there is no way that I am going to ever stop. Uh, of course, from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that is pretty sad. That that was my mindset, right? I don't want to get fired. I mean, there's a there's an argument for that, in that we're supposed to abide by the local laws and rules but uh when it goes against god right um now i i do would paul have would paul have ever said oh i don't want to lose my job right <laughs> i don't now, think he would <laughs> i don't know that you could openly uh preach you know instead of teach yeah 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 no of but, course well yeah you'd you'd last a day yeah <laughs> all right so we're going to have bible class instead yes. of math <laughs> yes let us open up yeah <laughs> I don't even think you can do opening prayer, but no. Well, I think in some states, but anyways. So, so yeah, you're you're really good at having those conversations with people. I think they're intentional, right? Correct. So, Bob, I mean, hopefully, people are can can use that as an example. I think I think I I need to use it as an example. I see you every freaking day. Oh wait, oops, I did it again. Yeah. Rebuke well, me. Well, just, I don't know if you've told the listeners, but your car has about 6,000 <laughs> stickers. So um, there's like eight inches of his car that doesn't have a sticker about. So Christ I and, have got a 116 sticker, which uh, for me stands for Understanding the Gospel, but it used to be about those reform rappers, not even reform, quote unquote Christian rappers who aren't even really Christian anymore. They're all social justice, kind of like Bob. Hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I have a not of this world. It's Jesus. I have a sticker that just says Jesus. I have a sticker that says he is risen. I also have a sticker that said, you know, the coexist, Bob? Coexist, yes. Stupid stickers. Uh, at G3 a couple years ago, this guy was selling stickers that say contradict. And it has all the same symbols. And at the bottom, it says John 14, 6. They can't all be true. I think that's my favorite one that I have on my car. So you got some sticker removal to go off to to start. Well, if I ever sell my car, maybe I'll remove them, or I'll just say, "Hey, if you remove these, you can't." Have the car. <laughs> I'll just keep it. Um, but no. So, does having a "Real Men Love Jesus" sticker on your car make you drive better? Um, no. <laughs> it, it, it it does me. It makes sometimes I'll be like thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I gotta. I shouldn't be cutting people off if I'm representing God. No, it it doesn't uh it doesn't it should affect my everyday life. I think I maybe I need to put one on the speedometer. 
or right in my line of vision right there. So you always remember. Um, This is a Christian truck. This is, that is what is so important that what, what you come to find out in your Christian walk is that apart from God, you can do nothing. And, Mm. and, and then when you come from a background such as mine, uh, that's the problem. If you haven't been raised from a young age or that, that God hasn't really dwelt within you. Yeah. Your, your natural inclination is to revert back to, uh, to way back when and well, you, you, bad uh, habits. Yeah, exactly. When, when I was renting uh, my own house uh, last year, you remember my sticky notes I had on the door when I left every day? Yes. It said, you know, worship God today. Like I literally put a sticky note on the wall every time I walked out of my door that said, worship God today. And now did I worship God every day? No, but to have that reminder is something I know I need, you know. So that's an important part of of your walk is to right we're we're to pray without ceasing right. for that very purpose, that very purpose of remaining focused on God. Yep, and carrying out our lives that would we, we don't want to be a hindrance, right? to the gospel. Yeah. And, uh, so it's important. Uh, we get caught up in work and problems and issues and God gets pushed to the back and we revert back to what we've done. You're Uh, right. So bad habits tend to creep in, especially under pressure or when you, as soon as you take your eyes off the Lord, it's Hmm. the attacks. Well, it's easy (laughs) to live like the world. Oh, yes. It's way easier. And I, I mean, I've even heard people who, you know, once walked with God righteously and then literally have said, you know, it's easier to live like the world. And then they start living like the world. It's like, it's crazy because it's way, it is way easier. But that's, it's that's, not what God has called us to. Correct. That is a, that's the struggle that we're all in. And that's yeah. why we call our, we're, we're all brothers and sisters in the same struggle, trying to honor God, serve God, right. glorify God. And, but we all understand as Paul did, we do the things we don't want to do and don't do the things we do want right. to do. I mean, even Paul. That is the summation of the Christian walk. Yep. We, 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 if you lose focus of Christ, you're going to do something that you didn't want to do. That's a, that's just the facts of life. And uh, to be repentant and uh, to turn from it, ask God for forgiveness, and uh, take up your cross and follow him again. Yeah, amen. So we are closing in on uh, this. We have to get ready for Sunday school soon. So, Bob, let, let's end here. Do you have, I mean, you kind of just were doing it, but do you have any advice that you'd like to pass on to whoever's listening? Um, I mean, I would, I I would think that maybe, yeah, sorry, we can edit that out as well. But do you have any advice in regards to who's listening into just anything regarding the Christian faith? What, what encouragement do you have? What, what do you think people can do to be closer to God in their everyday life that would, you know, ultimately really have an impact on the kingdom of God. Okay. So this is probably the simplest thing uh, we can do. Uh, I use the acronym PRO, 
uh, it's part of the what we understand as the normal means of grace. So, but it's it's a summation, uh, uh-huh. just as the confession is uh, of the Bible. But I use pro. We all want to be Christian, but let's be pro-Christian uh, professionals, basically, uh, in that we pray, read, and obey. Pray, that read, and obey. There is no other way, right, to be happy, <laughs> yeah. whatever they say, happy in Jesus. But then um, to then to trust and obey. But I, I like your yeah. version. I like your. So version. we have to pray, right? The Bible is clear about prayer, um, reading His Word daily, uh, and super important. I mean, and you realize it. Yes. Once you start doing it. <laughs> right. You don't know what you don't know until you don't do it. And then you, it, within then a you week, know. <laughs> within, within a couple of days, it just, yeah, your life just yep. takes a different turn. But obey. Uh, we all struggle with obedience. Um, we all fall short uh, since the fall. But um, that's pretty much the summation of what we are called to do. Uh, the only added on... Uh, I guess I need to extend the acronym at some point, but uh, we need to attend church, right? I, I think there's an emphasis, there, there's not a, a an emphasis for a church attendance. Um, people don't understand how important that is, uh, not only for, uh, it's your opportunity to worship with fellow believers and realize that you're not alone, right? right. That's so important. You feel like I'm, I'm doing this all on my own. But also, it it encourages other people. It, the encouragement and how God is going to use you, uh, not every time, not every day, but ultimately you're going there to worship God and thank Him for everything that He's done uh, for the week, for uh, what He's going to do for you. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's about worshiping God, first and foremost. But there are fallout measures from that. Uh, the encouragement, uh, just everything that, that uh, it's a family, right? We call it the family of God. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I, I can't overemphasize the importance of being committed and a member of a local church and being so involved. would you extend that also to just honoring the Sabbath in general? Yes. What but, does that look like for, you know, we're about to end, but what does that look like for us, for, for your family? So, uh, the, we have a, a, a small liturgy, right? Our, our family <laughs> <Home> liturgy. <laughs> yes, our family liturgy goes. We pray. We open in prayer, and then we read from the Bible, and then we sing some songs, and then we close in prayer. So it's pretty short and sweet. Probably twenty minutes, maybe. I would mm-hmm. say right twenty yeah. twenty minutes. But if we can do that daily. And focus upon him. Um, it's an encouragement to continue to focus on him, right? And we need to keep reminding one another about how to find ways and means in in order to keep him involved in our lives. Uh, right. Because coming from the old way of life, it was compartmentalized. Right. That God was a Sunday or a, you know, you separated kids. And so, yeah. So, but specifically on the Sabbath, we are to put away the things of that the world, you know, of the daily the world, life. Yes, that you can do Monday through Saturday. Right. Put that away, and uh, it, w- when you've done that for a couple weeks, you find the fruit in that, and that you're refreshed. 
you feel renewed, you feel focused. Yeah. Um, there, there's no way to explain it until you experience it. There's no way to, yeah. So that would be my hope that you, that everyone would, uh, practice family worship, practice family worship and join us for family worship on the Sabbath. Yes. I love that. Uh, that, that is, that is a hope and a prayer. Um, to, I hope it would be cool. The ideal thing would be that every church would have that, uh, after church gets out that, that people would attend each other's homes, that they would continue worship, uh, whether it be 20 minutes, but, um, share the breaking of food, you know, eating, fellowshipping and have a small, uh, worship together. I, I think what you just said is key, the word fellowship, because I think sometimes for me in the past, what that had, had become was, oh, I'm going to go to so-and-so's house and then it ends up just being, you know, having lunch and watching football together. Yes. But that's not fellowship. Like it's not purposely to, you know, grow together in Christ and worship him. It's more just to hang out. Correct. Yes, um, and how that looks for, right, it could be a video just to s- start the conversation as my sticker is on my truck, Yeah, but it, it could just be an RC, sp- any person you choose that's uh, biblically sound, a 10-minute, 20-minute uh, video you pull up on YouTube to, to start the conversation and to get everyone settled and geared into the same mindset, uh, but you got to be purposeful. And yeah. And uh, so hopefully that I think will do more uh, to to liven uh, the the other aspect of of what I like about that is that it it has a uh, ripple effect uh, throughout the church. Uh, one thing that 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 I think is important is that we, we know this to be true that we're supposed to have family worship. Yeah. But until it's modeled, it's very hard. To just uh, even for us to just start it, yes, we had to like. Well, you, you l- luckily you experienced some good family worship uh, yes. when you visited another church, correct? But it's not easy to just be like, okay, we're gonna have family worship. You're like, uh, what does it really look like? Like, I know our church puts out the family worship guide, but it it kind of just tells you here's what here's the info, but not exactly. Here's maybe how you should do it. Yeah, so I think it's vital. I think it's vital for churches uh, to to get down to the meat and the meat of it by doing that, by by having families uh, on Sundays do that, so that other families can get ideas and understand. Oh, it's only this long, and hey, that's I kind of like that. I'm going to change this up. Yeah, but to see it actually working then I, I think hopefully they can be encouraged. And then if you if they attend your home, uh, then you can you can have conversations about it. Hey, how do, what did you think? Hey, is that how you do it? Or even before you start, you're like, hey, how do you guys do family worship? And if they're like, oh, we're not really good at it. We don't know. We haven't started, right? It's an opportunity to, to get them going in. And I, I think it's paramount for families with uh i think our church does a very good job at yeah it. I so, think so too uh I, I don't there's nothing new that we're probably going to do it 
but it's uh, it's just fun to do with other people. It is fun to do it. So and it's and it's God honoring, and uh, that's what we're we're called to do. So. Sweet. All right, guys. So with that, so so take Bob's advice. Pray, read, and obey, and honor this. Honor this. Pray, read, obey. Honor the Sabbath, and worship as a family. So, Bob, would you pray for us, for the listeners, and for today's Sabbath? And then with that, we'll be done. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to uh, just have a conversation about who you are uh, and what you've done in my life, Father. Lord, I just pray that as people hear this, as this goes forth, that you will use it to uh, to call them to yourself, Father, that you will use it as the gospel truth. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would be honored today on the Sabbath, Lord, that we would uh, have a time of fellowship and God-honoring worship with you later this morning corporately. Yes. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you will bless this uh, thing that you've called Chad to do and to interview people and to try and bring your word to many other people that uh, he hasn't he does not have direct contact with Lord use this ministry as a ministry to further your kingdom father draw people to you Lord I pray that uh, that you will bless each and every one of us and uh, thank you and in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Hey, quickly, Bob, would you be willing to sing the doxology with me on the mic, or is that too weird for you? If we can edit it out, I possibly... <laughs> if it's uh, not good. <laughs> all right, that's down. the only thing I'm ashamed of, is my singing, right? But nothing about God. Let's try it. We okay. can. This is all editable, removable. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Praise God today. Adios.